Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue the Fantasy Files series with a look at Chase Edmonds in this Arizona Cardinals backfield. We've got James Conner there now. I know, I know. It goes through Kyler Murray, but we still have plenty of guys, other guys that will be carrying the ball as well. And if you haven't heard, Kyler Murray is saying that he wants to run less in 2021. Not something I'm super worried about. Lamar Jackson said the same thing last year, and we saw after their bye week, he returned to running the piss out of the ball because sometimes when you're a quarterback that's so good at running if you take away the best thing that you're really good at the offense doesn't work as well so Kyler one of those things where I'll believe it when I see it like okay he might not be on pace to break the single season yardage record on the ground ever again I mean again but uh either way I mean he's gonna finish as a top three rushing quarterback you know behind maybe only Lamar and uh you know potentially Josh Allen, but I would say Kyler should still be the overwhelming favorite to finish second. Maybe Jalen Hurts messes around and just gets there on volume, but either way, we're going to see these running backs continue to be involved. And, you know, it starts with Chase Edmonds and what he could potentially do here in the system that really has thrived. I know Cliff Kingsbury coming to the Cardinals, you know, we were thinking it was going to be the next big thing with this air raid offense. They've just had the 16th and 13th ranked scoring offenses. And really, you know, the air raid, I think it was, uh, I want to say Rich Rebar, uh, awesome guy, but he was the first one to say like the horizontal raid. I think he had a better name than that. So my bad for, uh, for that, but it makes sense. They don't throw the ball down field. Kyler's had, you know, some flashy highlights. Obviously DeAndre Hopkins is great, but it's more been a good offense because of their rushing attack. I mean, they rank fifth in terms of both rushing yards and rushing scores on the ground. They've done it with a pretty middling offensive line. I mean, a lot of their success, I think comes from Kyler Murray and what he's able to bring to the table in that zone read game and RPOs and all that junk. So, you know, the run game has been great in Arizona and it's not necessarily going anywhere. We just got to make sure Edmonds is indeed good enough to handle the rushing workload. He hasn't been this injury prone guy by any stretch, you know, played in 45 or 48 games since entering the league. Problem is he just hasn't been very good on the ground in terms of most of our efficiency metrics, PFFs, 61st ranked running back in PFF rushing grade since 2018 among 97 qualified players, 75th in missed tackles force per attempt, you know, 4.4 yards per carry, 2.6 yards after contact per attempt. Those are in the top 40. He's just been, you know, at, best and average running runner of the football receiving is where he has been great. And this is 2020 alone when they were actually starting to use him a lot more like in the design passing game. I mean, this dude was lining up in the slot a good amount and getting fed, you know, screens right the line of scrimmage. Again, you know, the horizontal rate offense was very friendly to Edmonds in 2020 and he made the most of it. I mean, eighth uh, highest PFF receiving grade among 46 qualified backs, seventh in reception, sixth in receiving yards, tied for third in receiving touchdowns, tied for 19th in yards per catch, Tied for 14th in yards per out run and second in percentage of catchable balls caught. So Edmonds last year, PPR darling. And we've actually seen him now have eight separate occasions playing at least 50% of the offensive snaps. Now, two of these games were when we had, you know, no Kenyon Drake or David Johnson. He actually racked up 90% plus snap uh, thresholds as a featured starter. But these also include some other games where he just happened to play a little bit more with uh, Drake, you know, probably on the bench because due to game script. So anyway, in these eight games, we've seen the ceiling and we've also seen, uh, you know, fairly low floor. Anyway, the finishes RB1, RB5, RB14, RB19, RB20, RB30, RB40, and an RB54 finish. I believe that was in that disaster against the Saints when he got hurt uh, shortly into the second half anyway. So the biggest issue for Edmonds is the potential goal line work. And I've been 
very clear over the years that I don't, I think the idea of a goal line back, you know, you're Mike Tolbert's of the world, you know, you're two vultures at the goal line. It's overrated. We just don't see teams, you know, stop the momentum of their offense and put on in a running back just so they can freaking yam the ball in from the one nine times out of 10, I would say the team keeps whatever running back is out there on the field on the goal line when the offense moves down into that situation. If there's a timeout called or if there's a stoppage of play for a replay or something, sure, then they'll probably get whoever the best true option is. Just realize, like, we don't see these situations where an RB2 on a team has, you know, 25 rush attempts inside the five-yard line. The RB1 is just getting taken out every single time. With that said, I think there's two primary potential exceptions we need to worry about. One is with Austin Eckler in Los Angeles, and the other one is Chase Edmonds with the Cardinals. Chase Edmonds, people, only has one, only one career carry inside the five-yard line. Now, he's been good as a receiver, so by that uh, scenario... I don't want to say the Cardinals don't trust him. He did convert all four of his targets inside the 10 yard line in the touchdowns last year. You know, you got to trust the guy to throw him the ball inside the, uh, you know, that close to the goal line. So I'm not saying it's necessarily his fault with this, but it's not good guys. One carry like that's problematic. And, you know, we'll get to, uh, you know, why it's a uh, potentially a good thing for James Conner here right now, because without Kenyon Drake, we now have 239 available carries in this offense. So yeah, Edmonds going to get it, but Connor could actually be a lot more involved than we think he did join this team i think in large part because his former running backs coach james saxton who was with the steelers until 2018 is there with arizona so credit to connor who you know was essentially written off as being too injury prone he played 13 games last year and two of his three misappearances were just directly due to covid so we didn't see his body break down like many thought it would and the one thing connor has been excellent at throughout his entire career is his usage on the goal line in terms of 38 running backs with at least 15 goal line carries since 2017 james connor is first in pff rushing grade fourth in touchdown conversion rate at 55 percent and first in first down or touchdown rate at 62 percent so you know connor still only 26 he is far bigger than edmonds and he's with a running back coach that knows he can do this and convert uh near the goal line and honestly that running back coach saw the better years of connor's career so might be uh you know experiencing a little bit of uh you know looking back a little too fondly at the past i wouldn't say though the other thing even if you think connor is this wash player which i don't think is fair he averaged 4.3 yards per carry on an atrocious Pittsburgh Steelers offensive behind an atrocious Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line last year. His average of 0.21 uh, force missed tackles per carry was the same as Alvin Kamara. He gained more yards after contact per rush than Josh Jacobs and Ezekiel Elliott only by 0.1, but you can't really find a stat that shows you that James Conner is as washed as a lot of people think he is. I'm not going to sit here and say the film looked fantastic. There were portions of the year where it looked like Benny Snell was the superior running back. Just realize, you know, if the Cardinals think James Conner is capable of handling this work, I don't think he's just going to completely bust if they decide to give him the volume. And to his credit, you know, if we want to hold the offensive line standard, which I've Again, told you guys a stat. You can probably recite it in your sleep now about how the PFS top five and bottom five run graded uh, run blocking offensive lines last year each produced four top 24 PPR backs. Maybe you think I'm full of shit with that. And in that case, we should be in on James Conner because he's going to a much better offensive line. And, you know, the Cardinals. 
again, I think it's more scheme that creates the holes the way they do, because this was PFF's 24th ranked uh, offensive line PFF run blocking grade last year, but they were fourth in yards before contact per rush. So 19th in run plays versus eight uh, plus defenders in the box. Steelers were 23rd Cardinals are 11th in PFF's 2021 offensive line ranking Steelers coming at 29th and the Steelers finished last year as the second worst offensive line in PFF run blocking grade. So Connor is getting a massive upgrade in terms of uh, his offensive line and he's on a team that seems like they don't have the goal line back to really challenge him at the goal line. So we'll see what's what. At the end of the day, though, I do lean towards Connor not being super involved here. We have seen them feed Chase Edmonds snap rates north of 90% when Drake and David Johnson were missing time. And we conveniently just had a report come out uh, yesterday. I'm recording this on a Thursday from Pro Football Network's Adam Beasley, who reports Chase Edmonds is the favorite to be the team's featured back. And he said that, you know, training camp competition may be a battle in name only. So Edmonds is getting the hype, people. And I think he deserves it. Again, he was the better running back than Kenyon Drake for much of last year. People were incredibly disappointed by how it was going. And that takes us right into our PFF uh, Lily stat. And it is Kenyon Drake's goal on usage because we've talked here on this podcast about the problems that having a mobile quarterback can cause for your running backs. They scramble instead of dumping the ball down. And they're also a factor to get carries inside the five yard line. Kyler was very comfortable though, giving his guys chances once they got close to the goal line, only Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin cook. And yes, Kenyon Drake had at least 20 rush attempts inside the five yard line last season. Absolute madness takes us to the ranks. I do have chase Edmonds significantly higher than James Conner, not quite buying the idea that this is going to be that split of a backfield. Edmonds is my RB 25. Conner is my RB 37. In terms of ADP, Edmonds comes in as the RB 28 and Conner is the RB 35 over at underdog. Like I just think Edmonds is too low. He was the PPR in underdogs half point. So maybe not, uh, maybe that's the difference there, but Edmonds was the PPR RB 25 last year and now Drake's gone. So they like Conner, but I don't think they love the guy i mean his contract and you know i think money usually talks here i believe his contract's only for like 1.75 million total so you know maybe yeah 1.75 million one year deal i mean that's just not a big enough financial commitment Kenyon drake had like the transition tag he was getting like eight or nine million last year i think edmonds is on pace to be the league guy and yeah connor will take some carries but there's no one in this league other than really christian mccaffrey Dalvin Cook, Saquon. That's really it these days. Even Zeke isn't fully dominating Pollard as much. Those are your only true like one RB backfield. So no, Edmonds isn't going to have the entire allotment of snaps to himself, but it sure is looking like a two RB uh, situation. You know, all you Eno Benjamin uh, stands out there like, hey, maybe he carves out a role uh, eventually, but we just haven't seen Kingsbury use multiple running backs. He's honestly, he had used one running back in 2019, whether it was David Johnson, Drake, even Edmonds for that uh, awesome Giants game where he had three touchdowns and then 2020 it was more split between drake and edmonds so the biggest issue for edmonds might actually not even be a running back it could be rondale Moore at wide receiver and that's the only reason why i'm not comfortable pushing edmonds into the top 20 because again 
Edmonds was making his living as a receiver last year. Only Alvin Kamara, J.D. McKissick, and Naeem Hines racked up more PPR points from purely receiving production. So Connor, like Connor, is probably going to be a lesser version of Kenyon Drake. I'd expect Edmonds to be more involved on the ground with Connor there instead of Drake. The problem is if we lose this fantasy-friendly target share to Rondale Moore on some of these design jet sweeps and screens and all that, that's going to be the issue. So, you know, make sure we keep a close eye on how Rondale Moore is being used in the preseason and, you know, leading up. If he's just like pulling an Andy Isabella and Cliff isn't going to use him for whatever reason, that's going to be even more reason to get behind Chase Edmonds as his present valuation. So we need those targets in fantasy football land. I haven't been getting a ton of Edmonds, but honestly, I think when, um, I've been doing more recent drafts. I actually have been starting to, because again, falling down the RB 28, that's even past, you know, the third, fourth round RB dead zone. So if you can get Edmonds as, you know, your RB one or RB two, if you're doing, you know, one of these anchor RB or zero RB strategies, I think it makes a lot of sense because again, he's being priced below his floor that we saw we already had last year. So Chase Edmonds, uh, potential PPR darling Connor, if he falls more into the 40 range, that's fine. I just don't think he's going to have a large enough role to kind of do what Drake did last year. I mean, I have Connor, uh, you know, behind guys like Gus Edwards, Daryl Henderson, uh, you know, the handcuffs, Pollard, Latavius Madison, guys like Naeem Hines, Michael Carter, Trey Sermon, Jamal Williams, Kenyon Drake himself. So I guess I can see people bumping him up. I mean, he's certainly in a team with a lot of these guys. I'm not saying I'm out on James Conner, but we do have a running back where don't want to call anyone injury prone with that said, I have seen some studies that do show guys that have recovered from cancer like Connor did just fantastic. Uh, they just have problems with extra injuries because of things that can do, uh, you know, in the recovery to the rest of your bone mass and all that. So, I will talk to the actual doctor, Evan Porras. Uh, he's going to come on this podcast a little bit later in this offseason. You can find his work over at Fantasy Points. Always great stuff. But that was basically, and I don't want to quote the guy specifically, but he, when he came on this podcast last year, James Conner was the one guy, and he hates the term injury prone as well, but Conner was the one guy where he said, you know, we should be careful about expecting him to stay fully healthy. He pretty much did so in 2020, uh, but, you know, broke clock is right twice a day. Don't want to get too greedy thinking that's going to happen again in 2021. So thank you as always for tuning in the PFF fantasy football podcast. I have one thing I want to get off my chest though, before you get out of here. I've been watching the Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Fantastic miniseries. I think it's uh, seven or eight episodes long on Netflix. I, it's been out for a while, so maybe I'm missing the boat. But people, how cool would it be to have like those chess timers? And for those not familiar with chess, when they play, I think the way it works is like guy a pair will have like in certain tournaments, you'll have 90 total minutes to decide what your move. So you're incentivized to move quickly, hit your timer and the next person goes and you can save your time up if you need to use it or just put more pressure on them, but you can't just sit there all day. Let's find a way to incorporate those like chess clocks in the fantasy football drafts because nothing is worse, particularly in slow drafts. And when people are taking sometimes eight freaking hours to pick, and even if you're in like a one minute, 90, 90 second drafts, like, let's go, let's incentivize, you know, people getting their picks out fast. I floated this idea out there on Twitter. Again, it's a little bit half baked. I haven't fully thought through everything, but uh shout out to my guy, Brian Johnson for having a great call. What if we gave everyone, you know, 
a minute per round. And then you got to use all your extra time as your fab going to next year. It's like one second would equal $1 of fab. And it would reward people for getting in, getting out and getting those, uh, you know, picks done quicker. So I think the one issue of fantasy drafts these days is people taking for freaking ever and finding a way to incentivize them to pick more quickly would be awesome. So still thinking this one out, uh, make sure you let me know if you have any great ideas uh, to build upon that over on Twitter. You can find me at iHearted. So thank you as always for tuning in the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. New episodes out every single day. I'm going to get out of here. Got about a five and a half hour drive to Chicago. And hopefully, uh, you know, it doesn't mess up my voice any more than it already is. So again, appreciate y'all listening. And until next time, take care, everybody. 